Hey, this is Tim McCurdy, and welcome to Vinepair's Cocktail College, a weekly deep dive into classic cocktails that goes beyond the recipe with America's best bartenders. One of the things we think about a lot when deciding which drinks to cover here at Cocktail College is whether a potential candidate is deserving of coverage. Like, is there enough of a backstory? And are there legitimate ways to hone the drink? In some cases, the answer might be yes and no. As in, maybe there's not much of a story going on, and perhaps the drink is very simple in its normal guise. But there are still ways to upgrade its preparation and bartenderize the cocktail. Such drinks as the vodka soda or dark and stormy may never find a dedicated spot on this podcast, but we found a home for them today in this very special techniques episode. Joining us for this exploration, or should I say returning, is our official techniques guru, Jack Schramm. Jack previously led in-depth discussions on the Paloma cocktail and the acid-adjusting technique. And he's the kind of guy you want in your phone book when you suddenly have a notion to create a baller Cape Codder. Just, uh, don't ask him to recall the bricks of straight pomegranate off the top of his head, as you'll find out soon. Now, I normally say this in the credits, but it's worth reminding up top here that all of these episodes are available as transcripts on vinepair.com. And you're going to want to check that out for this one, listener, because the information comes thick and fast. Where in the world might a simple conversation on tequila sunrises and Cape Codders lead to discussions on techniques like the sink and quirky ingredients like clarified and acid-adjusted lime cordial? I can think of only one place, listener. And that is, of course, the Cocktail College Podcast. That's perfect. Excellent. Um, And we're going to kick it off. This is the three-peat. Second time in the studio, third episode here for you today. Yes. Jack Schramm, welcome. Thanks for having me, Tim. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming back. I would like to say our unofficial or official technique specialist here at cocktail college because you let's make it official let's make it official you were you were the first and you're back and i want to say as well this is this is i i don't want to take credit for this you've come up with a great idea for us today over over a little topic that i think really ties into something that i enjoy as a consumer or as as an aficionado right but someone that's never worked in the industry yes and the one thing that i love when speaking with bartenders is just like, what's a little hack I can get to upgrade a drink? Or like, how can I do a subtle riff on my martini and and make sure it's still a martini, right? And so today's episode is inspired. It's it's in that vein, but it's also inspired by a recent article that you wrote for Vinepair, which had the great headline of, um, I believe it was, you can do better than the Dirty Shirley this summer. Yes, the the uh, rough draft uh, headline was, Shirley, you can't be serious. But <laughs> I was talked down. I think the, the first edit came back and it was just a different title. And I was like, all right, that's fine. I I like that. I mean, yeah, hard. It's uh, 
that maybe that's the stu- that's the subhead right there. You know, we don't yeah. do that on the site there at Vine Bear. I like that though. I would never give up a good opportunity for a pun. Yeah, well, so, you have to reference Airplane yeah. whenever possible. <laughs> you know, one of the greatest comedies of all time. So, <laughs> and what I love about that article, besides the fact that whether or not the Dirty Shirley actually is a thing, or was the drink of summer, whether it's just the, the New York Times doing the New York Times thing as yeah. they often do saying the April spritz is a bad drink or something. Remember that? That was shocking. That was simpler times when that that got the whole world really annoyed. Mm -hmm. I I just don't know where these opinions are coming from. (laughs) It's confusing. But the essence of, of your piece there and the conversation we're having today is there are simple drinks out there that we probably take for granted or we don't even think are worth making at home or putting a little bit of extra effort into bartenderizing i believe is a, is a good verb that you have for this yes so we're going to we're going to go through them we're going to go through them one by one but why don't you start by telling us about your your approach to the dirty shirley a cocktail that should never exist anyway but how can you make a good yeah. version and tell us actually what is a dirty shirley for those listening so for who those who are blessed to have never heard of this drink <laughs> uh, the dirty shirley is a shirley temple with vodka so it's uh sprite or ginger ale, you know, the jury's out on that one. Uh, most people do Sprite. There's a small subset. I think mostly people in the Northeast that I've spoken to uh, were ginger ale, uh, Shirley Temple folks, but West Coast is definitely a Sprite territory for, for the Shirley Temple. Uh, so it's a Sprite, grenadine, and that's it. That's a Shirley Temple. <laughs> if you're going to make it dirty, you add vodka to it. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know... It's that delicious for, you know, a little kid. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a great drink. I used to order them and Roy Rogers's, which is the same thing, but with Coke instead of Sprite. Uh, both absolutely delicious when you're, you know, between 8 and 13 years old. <laughs> awesome drinks. Great drinks to order at a restaurant with your parents. So the Dirty Shirley is the same thing, but with vodka. It became a thing because of this New York Times piece. No one had heard of it no first, one, right? No one in bars was ordering Dirty Shirley's or making them. Uh, it was news to all of the bartenders that I've spoken to about it. Like, oh no, this is a thing now that we have to be on the lookout for. Why has this happened to us? You know, <laughs> how could a caring God curse us with this drink this this summer of all summers where things are starting to come back? We're sort of in this. Obviously, COVID is you know still very much a part of our lives, but we have a, some semblance of normalcy again, at least in the way that service and, you know, the restaurant, the feel of bars and restaurants is back at least to a certain extent. And now we've been cursed with the Dirty Shirley. <laughs> so, you know, I wanted to make it, I, I love an interesting challenge and it's make this drink, you know, something that's worth drinking because it's, so unbalanced as is you know it's a vodka and something sweet and something else sweet so it's like okay well let's let's turn this into a real thing everybody loves spritzes so i came up with the uh the shirley spritz which is essentially just a combination of vodka lillet rosé and uh you split the champagne and ginger ale i chose ginger ale because it's got a little more oomph than just you know sprite It's, it's pretty flat I would say even 7-Up would be a better option. Um, 
and then just a, a touch of grenadine. So it's an ounce of vodka. I personally like a wheat vodka, like absolute in this mm-hmm. application, uh, an ounce of Lillet Rosé. So you've got that like, you know, bitter quinine thing going on. That's really lovely, but it's also contributing some pink. So you can only, you only need to add a quarter ounce of grenadine. Nice. It's really just for color and that just touch of pomegranate flavor. Uh, and I really recommend either making your own grenadine, just, you know, uh, taking uh, pomegranate juice and then take it up to 50 bricks with sugar. If you've got a refractometer, can do the math. Otherwise, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody if you just do equal parts or even just like, you know, 80% of the weight of the juice and sugar because it's already pretty sweet uh, is going to get, you know, close enough to 50 bricks. I don't know the bricks of straight pomegranate juice off the top of my head. That's a personal failing. I apologize that you, for you that. You surprised yeah, me there. I know, I should. If there's I'll, anyone that I'm going to, you know, imagine... Who yeah. wants to be a millionaire? This is the million dollar question I'm, I'm here. I'm the lifeline for and, bricks of and I, I have phone yeah. a friend. Mm-hmm. You've just lost me a million dollars. I'm assuming based on my memory of the flavor of pomegranate juice compared to other juices that I know that it's somewhere between 12 and 14, which is, <laughs> I, so I would say probably pomegranate juice is likely like fresh pomegranate juice, probably 12 bricks and mm-hmm. maybe like a palm wonderful, like 13, 14. I'm assuming they're correcting with sugar. I, I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head. I apologize. So the drink is an ounce of vodka, an ounce of Lillet Rosé, a quarter ounce of grenadine, and then equal parts, like two ounces each, uh, mm-hmm. ginger ale and Sprite just mm-hmm. to top. And you're and, and you're building in a highball here? I'm building in a wine glass. In like a wine full glass. spritz status. Does that, you know, playing devil's advocate here, are you getting too far away from the soul of the dirty Shirley there? Or... I think we're we're in safe territory still. You've got color. You, yeah. the, the color is the main thing about this drink, right? Yeah. And the, and the garnish is uh, an orange slice. So, mm-hmm. you know, an orange half wheel just for some color, a little pop of color. And then if you absolutely must, you can add the uh, traditional Shirley Temple garnish, one of those neon, you know, garbage cherries mm-hmm. just for the comedy of it. And I think given that you've, You've provided a highbrow version of this cocktail. It's probably very balanced. I still need to make one at home myself yeah. here. But I imagine it's very balanced, got complexity, and has that color. Then you might as well just bring it a bit lowbrow with those cherries if you have them. Don't go yeah, out and buy gotta them. you got to go all the way. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably a little bit uh, balanced towards the sweet end of the spectrum still, just mm-hmm. based on the, the ingredients and the way it's broken down. But I think that that speaks to... You know, if you're thinking about it through the lens of a Shirley Temple, it's the most balanced Shirley Temple you'll ever taste. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to go all the way, you know, add champagne acid. Well, or, here's here's the thing know. as well. Like, not every drink needs to be... I mean, drinks have a flavor profile, right? Like, yeah. a whiskey sour should be sour. Like, this drink should be sweet. It can still be balanced and have yes. that flavor but profile. on that end of the balanced spectrum. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Agreed. So I think that's a great way of, of setting up what we're doing here today. Now, I'm not going to ask you to come up with recipes on the spot. What we're looking for here is more techniques, because this is a techniques episode, but tricks or maybe things that we're not thinking about. Maybe it's maybe it's an extra little ingredient or something that an aspect of mixology that we should really be focusing on. And I've broken these da- these drinks down into a couple of little different categories that we can maybe speak about as a chunk and get into each drink individually within those. Excellent. So, and, and I think it's also worth noting that maybe there's drinks in here that 
we might never be able to cover on Cocktail College because there's just not enough to say about them or yeah. whatever. So this is this is a really lovely home for those. Um, but some of them may be deserving of their own episode in the future. Who and knows? We could, you know, even talk ourselves into it's realizing a, that it needs an yeah. entire episode. Fantastic. So first of all, I'm looking at basically simple two-ingredient highballs. We've already done the gin and tonic on this show, but I would group that in there along with Cuba Libre and vodka soda. So Great. first category of drinks, hit us up. Tell us what you're yeah. thinking here. The one and one. Is, the one and uh, one is a beautiful category, um, and I would say, first things first, all of these examples that we're we're talking about right now should be carbonated, and that's that's the most important thing. So the enemies of carbonation are temperature and nucleation sites. As the temperature of a liquid goes up, it's you know more volatile and it's easier for CO two to escape from it. So. You want every component of these drinks to be as cold as possible. So if you're planning, you know, you're going to have a party and you're going to make, you know, Cuba Libres or you're a vodka soda drinker at home, which, you know, I I hope not. But, you know, you never know. Like, I, I understand. I, I've had my fair share of vodka sodas, you know, but I try to mostly do it in nightclubs in Stockholm. You know, that's <laughs> that's the place to drink a vodka soda. But, you know, things happen. Life life happens to all of us, and sometimes you need a vodka soda, and I'm very mm-hmm. understanding and empathetic to that situation. Uh, that said, keep your vodka in the freezer. Keep your the your Cuba Libre rum of choice in the freezer. You know, have gin for gin and tonics in the freezer. You know, that's that's the, the general idea here is each component should be as cold as possible, and then your sodas, your mixers, you know, I hope they're not coming out of a cabinet. I hope they're coming out of the back of the fridge, you know, the coldest part of the fridge. And... If you're going to add lime juice to any of these, you know, if you've got a centrifuge, it could be clarified. That's that's (laughs) my, you know, if you have the ability to either like buy or keep or have clarified juice around, again, we're trying to avoid nucleation sites whenever possible. So that's any little bit in the lime juice Mm -hmm. is a spot where a bubble can form and then escape the solution. So that's the the type of things we're trying to avoid. Same goes for ice. Uh, If you have access to or can even make at home, you know, spears are awesome for highballs, not just because they look pretty. uh, There's less surface area, less total surface area on which a tiny little pockmark on the cube is a nucleation site for, you know, CO2 to escape. So crushed ice is the greatest enemy of carbonation and spears are your best friend. If everything is as cold as humanly possible, then, you know, maybe you don't need ice. Mm -hmm. There was a, back in the Booker and Dax days, uh, you know, Dave Arnold was at his most militant about carbonation, which is why we served all our carbonated drinks, no ice, in a flute. And we don't even like flutes from the, (laughs) like, perspective of, like, actually enjoying the beverage because... You know, a wine glass is always better in my mind for champagne because you can get the whole yeah. palette of the, the wine. You know, you can get your nose in there and see what's going on. The flute doesn't allow that, but he was so militant about carbonation, and the flute is the best shape for bubble retention. So if you want the, like, most turbo version of any of these drinks, 
what you're going to want to do is combine all the ingredients, you know, clarify everything and force carbonate it. <laughs> and if you need a primer on force carbonation, uh, I wrote a piece for a competing publication in the past before I started this wonderful relationship with the vine pair. Uh, <laughs> but look back, there are, uh, there, there's a guide. If you Google Jack mm-hmm. Schramm carbonation, you'll find, uh, a very comprehensive guide to putting bubbles into things. And that's, you know, the absolute best way to do a one-in-one. The pinnacle right yeah. here. Is, and so I think we're yeah. I think we're talking about a few things there. Sorry to jump in, but no, I, I, I think we're talking about a spectrum here in terms of how far you go with those drinks. So on the one hand, you have the 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 practices that every one of us can do at home, you know, temperature then there's a little bit more effort going into it when you want to really focus on your your ice program maybe at home. And then you're talking clarification, which to my mind is a way that, look, maybe you want to be that bar that has the lowbrow drinks done in a highbrow way. Yeah. And and that's exactly what we're talking about here. And like, yeah, look, these drinks, no matter how simple, can be elevated in, in any number of ways. There's always room for improvement. Something that we did at Existing Conditions that was the most ridiculous thing, we had uh, a large format vodka soda on the menu that we uh, carbonated and bottled, and it came out of the vending machine. Not like we would have to open the actual door of the vending machine to get it out, but it was kept, you know, that was colder than freezing. It was at like negative six Celsius. Jeez. So it was an incredible vodka soda, and we added a secret ingredient that we didn't tell anybody about, but it was, everyone was like, wow, this vodka soda is incredible. It's because you're adding just like a few grams per liter of glycerin. Nice. Just give it that body. Mouthfeel there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're using like a super high quality vodka that obviously has nothing to do it. So we just added the glycerin ourselves. (laughs) That's wild. That's the secret for, you know, the the best non-alc cocktails as well is, you know, glycerin is an incredible, it's your friend. If you want something to have body and mouthfeel and not add alcohol, you know, it's a rel- it's basically flavorless and tiny concentrations and mm-hmm. gives you body and mouthfeel. Because otherwise, some of these, these um, you know, spirit alternatives that we have out there, they do start to seem at points just like a very expensive flavored water. Yes. And I think we've come a long way since those, wa- those were the ones that dominated the market. But body is definitely something I'm looking for in that category. Um, one small question I had that I didn't want to interrupt, but you mentioned gin for gin and tonic out the freezer, vodka for vodka soda out the freezer. Just curious if you're also using those same bottles for your martini, do you want them to come from freezer or not? Cause I have, I've heard differing accounts on this. Yeah. You know, I've had some martinis with uh, gin from the freezer that I've absolutely loved, Yeah, but I find that, you know, I, I like to drink a martini that's been properly diluted. Yes. And if you're going to pull the gin out of the freezer, you're just going to be stirring for a while. Yeah. Because, you know, you got to you got to let the the vodka wa- or the gin warm up on the ice so then, before it's actually so that, yes, doing it, anything. It's so crazy. I mean, I yeah. think I believe that's how they do the old raj um at Maison Premiere, I believe the gin is plucked from the freezer. I might be making that up, but and and I tell you what, that guy stood there holding the tray, doing the tableside service yeah. while the other guy stirs for a long time. Long time stirring. 
So I don't think that it's necessary for, oh, you know, I, I try to have more than one bottle of gin at home at a time. Yeah. But I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm telling you to do all these things at home. And in reality, I like don't drink that much at home. And even if I don't, was don't, to, yeah, don't I, tell people, don't, don't, don't spoil the illusion. There. That's true. That every drink I've ever made has perfectly clear ice, and <laughs> is optimally carbonated at 45 PSI three times. Everything is below freezing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like chefs don't ever eat fast food. No, absolutely not. No. Imagine. <laughs> that's good. So that's our first category of drinks there. And it's just a little teaser to get us into because I think as we progress here, these are going to get more uh, complex, these drinks, and, and they're going to increase in terms of ingredients and whatnot. So I have this second category here, which uh, I think I just have as two drinks, actually. It's, it's, it's almost two ingredients, but maybe with a little bit of juice, but adding extra flavor. So I have the Moscow Mule here and yes. Dark and Stormy. Um, let's actually approach these separately first or look at one of those ingredients which is ginger beer yes. how important is a good ginger beer to you and do you have a suggestion there yes okay so i'm actually going to challenge this like to ingredient notion of this cocktail and say that i don't think of moscow mules as a carbonated drink i don't think of them as a drink that's just uh you know s- vodka and ginger beer. That's not how I make them or how I want them made for me. I'm a big proponent of making an incredibly robust ginger syrup and uh, shaking your spirit, lime juice and ginger syrup, and then topping that with soda, you know, like the, like Nikki, Sam, Haley Traub, attaboy method for their, you know, the frothy boy Mm -hmm. for their dark and stormy. One of the most delicious drinks on the planet and that's, you know, ginger syrup, lime, and goslings shaken topped with soda, and it's gorgeous. Yep. And, and and that allows you, I guess, what, more control of balance. Actually, that reminds me of um, our, our friend Nick Bennett there, who came on yeah. to talk about the Long Island iced tea with his with his cola syrup there, proprietary, and, and then using the same method there that you're speaking about. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, like, you know, just because you just brought up the Long Island, I have to, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, plug my own spec for the Long Island. Okay. Because I think that, you know, making a cola syrup is, is one thing, but if you want to go even more bartendery with it, uh, I have a personal spec, which is a half ounce each of uh, vodka, gin, rum, tequila, triple sec. You know, I use Cointreau. Um, but then an additional half ounce each of simple syrup and a Maro Chicharo. Okay. So that's my cola analog is a more, you know, cola flavored Amaro and then three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice. And then I shake that and then just a splash of uh, soda, just, you know, club on top. And I think that is the best Long Island that I have ever had. And does that, still remain true to the the soul of the cocktail because i think that's important in all of these drinks that we're discussing today that again like it 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 retains the profile but just takes it to the next level it just adds a touch more complexity Mm -hmm. and makes it something that you know someone ordered a long island at existing conditions for me and i hate hate saying no when it's something that i know that i can solve you know if it's a a problem that I can get as close as humanly possible and say yes to this person and let them know like, Hey, we don't have Coca-Cola here, but 
mm-hmm. I have the ability to make you the closest approximation that I think you're really going to like. And yeah. usually people are game for that if you approach it in that way. Like, let them know that they're not getting exactly the thing that they ordered, but they're going to get something really close and really delicious, and uh, they're willing to give it a try. And might, yeah, might open, yeah. Their, might open their mind, might, might take them on this journey through to, to other, other styles of exactly. drinks. And it was, you know, I tasted it, I straw tasted it, and it was like, oh, this is... I'm making these for shift drinks tonight for everyone. <laughs> this is too ridiculous to not drink like three or four of. And so for your, your going back to ginger beer here yes. or, or, or ginger syrup, mm-hmm. um, how easy is that for us to do at home? And yes, so take us from there. Ginger syrup at home can be pretty annoying because I think that the my favorite ginger syrups are not, steeped like a tea like that's the the way to do it at home is to you know slice ginger super thin either on a mandolin or carefully with a knife steep that with hot water and then add sugar to that and strain the ginger off uh i think the best ginger syrups are made with rotary juice ginger so if you don't have a juicer i really like the champion juicer for this that's my favorite like commercial restaurant juicer uh but if you don't have one of those and frankly why would you Mm -hmm. at home um there are there's one commercial ginger syrup that I absolutely love. Uh, the, I think it's called Fiery Ginger Syrup from uh, Liber and Company. Yep. They also make a really terrific orgeat that like has that really roasty, toasty almond flavor that I prefer. You know, like toasted nice. almonds before. Yeah. So, they're and that actually they're my favorite grenadine as well. For if I don't want to make it myself. So very good for this episode. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is actually just a big plug for uh, Liber and Co. <laughs> because all their stuff is great. Great passion fruit syrup too. Nice. Really everything. So all, if you want to make a porn star martini, that's that's the the move. All the drinks that people don't give maybe as much respect to as they could. Who yeah. knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and so talking about that, so the ginger, the lime, and the base spirit, they can just so you get that balance first. Yeah. Shaking them, and then you can apply your carbonation philosophies here yeah like i think of the dark and stormy as a dark rum ginger daiquiri topped with soda you know that's like how my how i and you know the the uh moscow mule is more like a ginger gimlet that's then topped with soda like i think about it as a shake and drink for my favorite versions that i've ever had of these that said i love ginger beer also i think it's a great ingredient i really like uh Fever Tree is a great yes. ginger beer. Q is a great ginger beer. Um, those are my like cocktail ginger beers of choice. Mm-hmm. And I think it is worth noting too. I mean, this was something I was just doing in the office last week, which was tasting different. So there's there's two ways you can do when you try and perfect one of these two cocktails, right? It's like you yeah. need to keep one variable the same. So I went with Fever Tree because again, that's the one I love. Yeah. And I was tasting best vodkas for Moscow Mule. And most people would be like, Surely it doesn't make any difference. Vodka doesn't oh, have any flavor. absolutely makes a difference. But it really does. It, I mean, it has a huge yeah. impact on the cocktail. Definitely. What What did you uh, settle on? What was the, the top vodka? Well, there were, there were different ones. And I, it ended up being like, what are you looking for from the drink? There were certain yeah. vodkas out there that I think actually made the, the, the profile more fiery. Yeah. Um, I'm and, assuming like a Sobieski or a Belvedere. 
like a rye vodka is what you wanted out of that. I mean, Sobieski is just one. If if you see my byline on Vine Pair at the moment, there's a lot of Sobieski up there because it's just so good value for money. It's incredible value. It's what, like $13 and it's yeah, a rye it's, vodka. Yeah, it's super high quality rye yeah. distillate. It's like, fantastic. Can't beat it. Yeah. For sure. And then you have, I guess, some of the like the weirder whey protein ones that are more, oh, more yeah. neutral and, and create more of a kind of like a, a balanced, creamier version of the cocktail. So it really depends on where you want to go. But uh, the, the quicker answer to that would be you can check that out on Vine Pair. I think that's going up. Um, that's probably going up next week. So nice. stay tuned. I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> um, another point of note. Okay, so... The Dark and Stormy, I believe, is a name that's patented. I think yes. you might be allowed to use it here in the in the audio sphere. I hope so. But otherwise, we're talking about dark rum and ginger beer here. Yeah. Of course, the brand that has patented it. All I want to ask that, that that's uh, is it? It's not Blackstrap, is it? No, it's Gosling's. It, but it, but it's, it's it, but they, it's their dark because they do have a Blackstrap. But it's a it's their dark. Their right? Black Seal, I think. Uh, black, they, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's I don't know if there's actual Blackstrap added back to it. I, I don't yes. know what style Gosling's is. Yeah, it's, it's but kind it's, of its own thing. Yeah. Is this the one? Like Negroni, ha- Negroni yeah. has to be Campari, right? Like, yeah, yeah, in yeah, my opinion, course. right? I so, like, completely agree. I is think, this the case here? You know, I used to say no. I used to say like, no, it's my proprietary blend of Smith and Cross, and <laughs> yeah. you know, a vintage bottle of Cruzan Blackstrap, and uh, you know, some Eldorado Fifteen, mm. but. I, again, it just keeps coming back to Attaboy. Like, having the Dark and Stormy at Attaboy that's Gosling's, it's just so good. And yeah. it's like, why do I need to gild the lily? Go further. You know, it's so delicious with Gosling's, and I think that for the Dark and Stormy, that's that's the one. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I, I, I like that. And, uh, you know, Malcolm Sr. And, and co. will be happy to hear that yeah, as well. Yeah, of course. Sure. You know, it's... A, it's, it's a, not a rum that I want to use for anything else. But, but it, if but I'm it works. Have a dark and stormy. This yeah. is the one. This is yeah. the one to go for. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So, next category yes. that we're moving on to here. I'm loosely well, not it's not that loose actually. I'm tying together as the orange juice cocktails category. Uh, they're very similar in some respects, and and there's others in there that aren't. This also brings us to the point where there are drinks that I think some people might argue should disappear from menus forever or Love cocktail it. books forever. Let's go. So I'm going to ask your opinion on whether that's true, first of all, for the drink. And then if it's not, you're going to tell us how to upgrade these. And we're going to start here. The Tequila Sunrise. Ah, uh, the Tequila Sunrise. So remind us of the ingredients just in case so it's unfamiliar. Yeah. Uh, Blanco tequila, orange juice, grenadine. Our old pal grenadine is back. <laughs> back in town. Yeah. So we know where to get our quality of grenadine from already. Yes. We've got this on hand because we've been making Shirley spritzes. Yeah, of course. So you've got grenadine and you want something else to make with it. Yes. So I think that the tequila sunrise suffers from the same problem that the... Uh, the original Dirty Shirley suffers from is that it's sweet and sweet. And I would say that, you know, obviously I come from an acid adjusting background, but I feel like and that, that was our first yeah. episode that we did together exactly. on, on yeah. this, on this front, just to, to make sure that people are aware of that. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I would say that 
for this application because it's it's generally like four ounces of orange juice. Like it's a this is an orange juice cocktail that has tequila in it. So I would say that you couldn't just go straight acid adjusted orange juice because it would be insanely sour. You know, that'd be like saying, you know, start with four ounces of lime juice. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't make any sense. So I would say uh, the peak season for sour oranges is like, you know, early spring through like midsummer. Uh, and you can get them year round. Like if you're able to find sour oranges, they're, you know, regular oranges are, I think, like, 1.8 to like 2% acidity and sour oranges are probably closer to three and it becomes this entirely different ingredient. Like it's not quite sour enough to be the only sour component in a cocktail, but it's a little too sour to just drink on its own, like as juice. Uh, so in this application where you're adding some grenadine to it, I would say this is a sour orange juice play. Like mm-hmm. find that specific orange juice that works. And are we going to a, a farmer's market for that? Or is that something that's come into our supermarkets just that needs to be the right time of year? Yeah, it's something that I've seen in supermarkets. It's something that we've I've ordered uh, specialty before. And again, I think that because I'm asking for such a ridiculous lift, it's leading me down the path of this drink isn't worthy of exploration. Because even if you get the really good orange juice, the drink itself is still pretty one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've had good ones, but the question is why, yeah. you know? And I think that it's also something that kind of gets referenced a lot. Like there will be a tequila cocktail that has an orange component that has, you know, 14 other ingredients. And then there's a little bit of grenadine mm-hmm. that, ha- so it has the, you know, beautiful color and the like gradient. Uh, but at that point, is it really a tequila sunrise anymore? I think that, you know, it's not. But I still, I enjoy the drinks a great deal, but I think that the, like, legit old school Tequila Sunrise, I think we can say goodbye to. Say goodbye to. Yeah. You mentioned something there that I was going to throw back at you as a curveball, and I like what you're saying, which is maybe the only thing worth pursuing here and the drink's only redeeming character is its appearance. Like, yeah, I think it looks great. I completely agree. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah. I love I love a gradient. I think that uh, another way to not this drink, but like you know, it's it's always about the float mm-hmm. of either something on top of the drink, you know, or something that starts on top that kind of like sinks throughout, so it gives you that beautiful uh, uh, you know color gradient. But one technique that I picked up from uh, my days at the Nomad, I think I don't know who came up with the drink. I'm guessing you know if it's if it's a nomad drink, it's got Leo Robichek's name on it. I don't know who else's hands were uh, involved in the process, but they had a drink on the menu called the Red Light. That was one of my all-time favorites. It was uh, white rum and aquavit, and I think vanilla, vanilla syrup and lime, like basically a daiquiri with you know split base with aquavit. But it had not a float, but a sink. So on the bottom of the, like it was in a rocks glass with a large rock and Campari, you know, like a quarter ounce of Campari at the bottom of the glass. And then you'd slowly strain the drink over it. So it left that red layer at the bottom and it was gorgeous to look at, you know, big, beautiful cube and a big, beautiful rocks glass with that red layer just on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And you'd start with this like, you know, bracing acidity, you know, 
super bright like daiquiri profile and then you'd get down to the bottom and it would sort of morph that's cool into this gorgeous you know second cocktail and really cool technique worth exploring the the sink the sink yeah. love it and i think that's it, a gem yeah, right there exactly like you know higher sugar liqueurs things like campari or maybe chartreuse i think are great uh candidates for for, for, for the sink so good. That's exactly what we're looking for from, from today's. And also yeah. a very nice segue into the next cocktail I have here because we're looking at the Garibaldi. Yes. How do you feel about this drink? I love the Garibaldi. But I think that I would only ever order it at Dante. Yes. And I think it's worth prefacing that. Yeah, I think that that is, you know, I, I don't want to drink... Uh, Campari and orange juice. So that's those are the components just yeah. for, for for reference, and they're equal parts. Yeah, or at least you know close to equal parts. Close to equal parts. I, yeah, I have no interest in a Campari OJ, but the Garibaldi at Dante with the you know you need to be rotary juicing your oranges fresh to order for this drink to be successful. It's like I don't know if you remember. Uh, did you ever go to Suffolk Arms? When it was open, Giuseppe Gonzalez's Lower East Side. I know bar. the place. Yeah. I, I never made it over there. So he had a drink on the menu called the Horse Apple. That was Granny Smith apple and horseradish, juiced fresh. And you could have it with whatever spirit you wanted. So I, you know, tried a million combinations and settled on a blend of Amontillado sherry and Aquavit as my. I'm gonna. I knew, I, I I knew Aquavit was coming Aquavit. in yeah, there. It's so good. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Apple juice and caraway are like best buds. Mm -hmm. So and apple, uh, caraway, and grapefruit juice also are. You know, I'll I'll talk about uh, Aquavit sours with acid acid adjusted grapefruit all day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, something about juicing fresh an ingredient like orange juice and not just like squeezing it but like blitzing it in a rotary juicer so it's super fluffy yep. and you know rich and dense is it's just such a better experience and so that's how they're doing theirs down at um down at dante yes so they're fresh and then what are they doing when they're taking the orange juice and combining it with campari it's just fast just, so it's just it's just juice like, you know in the juicer and then into the you know goes into the pitcher and then it goes into the glass just fast. Wow. It's all about that doing it quickly. Is there is there a world in which if you don't have that, you do have maybe some freshly squeezed juice, but you don't have that machinery. But maybe you do have a a Vitamix and you yeah. want to go down the hyper decant succession yeah. route here. I have not blitzed this drink in a blender because if I'm not sitting at the bar at Dante, I never think to myself, oh, I'd like a Garibaldi right now. You know, just not, <laughs> it's never the headspace that I'm in. You know, it's a, it's one of those places where the bar kind of owns the drink for mm -hmm. me. And so. just remind us, is that, again, when, when we're, when we're building here, is that going over ice then for those ingredients to be chilled or? I, there's, I don't believe it goes over ice. I don't think it really needs to be, you know. Too cold. Yeah. Okay. I think it just needs to be, you know, I'd probably keep your oranges in the fridge. Yeah. And then, you know, so they're at least the juice is fridge temperature mm -hmm. or a little warmer from the juicing process. But, you know, I don't think the Campari needs to be in the freezer. Or okay. That's it's cool. Just, you know, not every, you know, not every drink needs to be perfectly carbonated. I hope Dave isn't listening to this. He's going <laughs> to, you know, have a heart attack. But and not everything needs to be like, you know, toothachingly cold. Final 
drink in the orange juice section here. The simplest of all. And I think it only makes it into this section because of the fact that it actually has a name. Yeah. Screwdriver. Oh, man. It's Vodka just... orange. Anything else in that? Dr- I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I, I can't think of any other just like orange juice. I mean, it's not orange juice, but the Cape Cotter, the vodka crayon, I think is a lot more worthy of study in my mind than the vodka OJ. You know, the, let's the go there. So the screwdriver is yeah. out. Screwdriver's done. We're done with orange juice. We're okay. going to drink it in the morning and then we're done with <laughs> orange juice for the rest of the day, basically. Uh, but the Cape Cotter, the, the Cape Cotter, because cranberry juice is balanced, you know, it has enough acid generally. So it's a drink that's pleasant to, to have in the evening time. Um, I, uh, did a a party over the weekend. I was talking to you about this before the show, but, uh, one of the drinks they asked me to do, it was a, a big birthday party in Greenwich, Connecticut. And, you know, I think that's a big vodka crayon drinking community mm-hmm. and they asked me to do something in that sort of realm so i said oh yeah absolutely i'd love to so i did the most highbrow version of a cape cotter imaginable where i took unsweetened cranberry juice uh brought it up to a simmer dumped a bunch of dried hibiscus flowers into it let that steep for five minutes strain that off brought it up to 50 bricks and then combined that syrup, that cranberry syrup, cranberry hibiscus syrup, with an a clarified acid-adjusted lime cordial that I had made <laughs> that was, you know, 50 bricks but had the same acidity. I added acid back, so it was the same acidity as lime juice and the sweetness of simple syrup. Combined that with the cranberry syrup and, like, a two-parts cran to one-part uh, lime cordial ratio. I tasted that. It was a little sweet, so I just hit it with a little extra citric acid just to taste and then it was essentially two ounces of vodka, three quarters of an ounce of this crazy cranberry concoction, and then topped with club soda in a highball with a you know fancy spear in it. And it was a it was a slammer. It was something that I could drink wow. you know, thirteen or fourteen of in an evening. So there's absolutely ways to make a vodka and cranberry insanely delicious. We had one on the menu at existing conditions, but it was cranberries that we blended into vodka spun in a centrifuge you know a cranberry justino and then diluted that with water added a little sugar to it force carbonated the whole thing and topped it with clarified lime for service you know it's so this is this there you're getting a little highbrow with it but again the option is there yeah absolutely and i love again the progression here that we talk Mm -hmm. about that okay if you're just talking about vodka and a and other fruit juice yeah go with cranberry forget the orange for sure then there's the other method that i think that you're talking about there in the middle that yeah it's going to take a little bit of extra effort yeah, but maybe doesn't make reco- a syrup yeah, yeah but doesn't require any fancy equipment maybe a decent set of scales yeah if exactly. you're not doing to huge batches and then the third one there is you know maximum technique mm-hmm. completely unnecessary but <laughs> fun uh i would say that Making a cranberry syrup with unsweetened cranberry juice is my favorite way to use cranberry as an ingredient. And I think that a lot of people just grab cran cranberry cocktail because it's so easy and accessible. But grocery stores, most of the grocery stores that I go to in New York, and I've actually had to, because cranberry is a, unsweetened cran is an ingredient in uh, solid wiggles, and we've produced 
quite a few places. For those of you who don't know, Solid Wiggles is my very highbrow, often centrifuge using uh, Jello Shot company. Uh, check us out on Instagram at Solid Wiggles. Uh, but Go check it out. Yeah, it's we, wild. We use a lot of unsweetened crayons, so I need to find it in random places if we're producing. You know, now we're very much at home, but in the early days, we had to be on the lookout for it. And you can find it most places. Mm-hmm. So it's most supermarkets carry unsweetened crayon. It's either like the Lakewood Organics brand or I've I've found Ocean Spray some places in the smaller, you know, like a, a one-quart bottle yeah. of unsweetened crayon. But, yeah, just grab that and turn that into a syrup. It's much like salt in cooking, right? Like you, you don't want to... You don't want to, you can't take it away once you add it. So same with sugar and sweetness and and ingredients, right? You'd rather work with a base that doesn't already have it and then you can. Yeah, then you you can can sweeten it to taste. Exactly. Nice. Mm -hmm. Final section of cocktails here. Great. I'm calling this the WTF section because (laughs) some people, you might hear some of the names and be like, actually, what is in this one? Like what's in this drink? Um, And also maybe they're never going to have another section on this show. So good for us to discuss them today. We might be batting them away straight away and being like, sorry, this goes the way of the screwdriver. Or you might be saying, you know what, here we go. Mm -hmm. First one. And I went to look for the recipe for this earlier. And sometimes you can Google a cocktail and you don't need to put cocktail when you Google it and you're going to get the recipe anyway. I made the mistake of just typing the Godfather and it (laughs) didn't come up straight away, but that's the name of the cocktail. What's in this one? So first a, of all, a godfather is scotch and amaretto. Like those are the non-negotiable ingredients. And what I, are they doing together in the first place? Is it just two this is what like 60s, 70s, 80s? Yeah, craziness? I think this is this is I want to say it's the I I actually don't know the history of the drink. The dark this age is, of drinking, yeah. the dark age of modern drinking. Mm-hmm. For sure, it's from then. Yeah, and I think originally it was probably close to equal parts, which mm-hmm. is you know such a horrible nightmare. But at its core, it's an old fashioned. You know, it's whiskey and something sweet. It's a an old fashioned with no bitters. Okay, which is you know sounds horrifying, but there are ratios at which it works really well. Like I had two when you said we might talk about the Godfather. I was like, all right, I have two bartenders that I need to get recipes from, and I managed to get recipes from both of them. So big shout-out to, uh, and they're both ginger, Nick Bennett and uh, Tyler (laughs) Caffel. So I'm so glad that, it's ridiculous, my redheaded buds both managed to get uh, recipes to me in time. So Nick Bennett, for some reason I had it in my brain that he added Aquavit to his, because, you know, again, I think it's just me thinking about Aquavit Aquavit on the brain. It's just something I love so much. But Nick Bennett's recipe is uh, two ounces of blended scotch and a half ounce of Lazzaroni Amaretto, and that's it. And I think that that is a great, super basic ratio for uh, both this drink and for the often maligned, but I also think you know equally worthy of having a speculove, the Rusty Nail. Right. Is It's not a bad drink. It's, mm-hmm. again, just a bitterless old-fashioned for a scotch lover. And so uh, Scotch has a lot of these bad ones, but so so for Nick's there, just briefly, is he actually building that like an old fashioned then, or is he or is he doing is he like stirring and serving up like a? No, he's it's this is going. I think this drink needs to be served ice. like an old fashioned, like an old fashioned. Okay, on ice. yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Tyler Caffel's recipe, he goes in a different direction. 
which I am also excited about. So he does uh, one and a half ounces of bourbon is is the base of this drink. Okay. Then three quarters of an ounce of amaretto. Okay. And then a half ounce of peated scotch. It's which interesting. You know, lots of smoke and complexity and that rich roundness from bourbon. And he also says to use uh, the the specific brand he called for was uh, Medley Brothers. You know, one hundred two. So I would say you know maybe any bonded bourbon would work in this application. So high proof bourbon which I think is really important. It also, you know, harkens back to, uh, what is it, Jeffrey Morgenthaler's Amaretto Sour recipe that has a full ounce of, uh, you know, overproof bourbon in it yep. because that balances the sweetness. You know, you got to think about these things. One way to get rid of, you know, or at least to balance out an aggressively sweet cocktail is by using a really high-proof spirit and have the, the alcohol do the heavy lifting of... Uh, toning down sweetness for so you. So you don't need to add in acid or other ingredients that are going to lengthen the drink yes, and change your exactly. preparation. But Very good. Yeah, Tyler goes on. So it's it's one and a half bourbon, three quarters amaretto, a half ounce of, uh, he calls for Laphroaig, and then three dashes Angostura and three drops of uh, sarsaparilla tincture, which is uh, vodka and sarsaparilla like pieces yes. that he just... Uh, steeps together for an hour and then strains. So I think that, you know, you can go, that's the super bartender version. Yep. So you can either go halfway bartender it, with the Nick Bennett recipe where it just makes the ingredients balanced. Yep. Keeps the bone structure exactly the same. Or you can create this, you know, beautiful sculpture of a drink mm-hmm. a la Tyler Caffel's version. <laughs> and I think also another one about Nick's there too, like, I'm sure he wouldn't mind if you want to go along there and, and maybe introduce some bitters as well that you oh, feel like are appropriate yeah. appropriate for the base ingredients too, depends mm-hmm. on the, the scotch or whatnot. Yeah. That's a good one though. And talk about just briefly the rusty nail there because you, you went in that sure. direction. Yeah. So I think it's it's valid for this conversation. Yeah, I it's it's a drink I like, but I like drambui. Okay. You know, which yep. is essentially just sweetened scotch. <laughs> so it's scotch and scotch. <laughs> so if you like scotch and old fashions, the rusty nail is a great drink. The one thing I'll say about the rusty nail, uh, did you ever go to the bar? I think it's closed forever. Unfortunately, it was one of my all-time favorite cocktail bars in New York. Was uh, in tri- in like the north end of Tribeca. It was a bar called B Flat. It was a jazz, like a, a Japanese jazz bar that was like down a flight of stairs in a mm. basement. That the drinks were always amazing there, and I went with the existing conditions crew one night after service and you know, we'd had a few and I was with Garrett Richard and he's like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get a rusty nail or not a rusty. I'm going to get a, uh, wait, what's the drink that we're talking about? The Godfather. About? Yeah, the Godfather. Go, no, it was a rusty nail. That yeah, got. yeah. It was, I forgot which one it was, but yeah, no, he, I'm, I'm going to get a rusty nail. And I think the scotch came out of the freezer, Interesting. which I was shocked by. But yeah, it, and something about like super cold and on ice just made this drink work. Mm-hmm. There was just something so satisfying about it, especially when you're eating like really rich like pork katsu, like fried yeah. foods, and then having this like big sweet booze bomb. Something about it I that was makes just sense. Like, and you're yeah. not gonna get, you're not gonna be able to find too much if you want to go down the proof route when it yeah. comes to scotch as well, right? So like going for temperature instead there. Yeah, exactly. 
That's fun. Just get a high quality blended scotch and, you know, add a liqueur to it. Mm-hmm. That, that whole category, I think, is absolutely worthy of study. Fantastic. Yeah. One or two more here for us today. Great. Blue Lagoon. Ooh. I don't even know the Blue Lagoon. <laughs> exactly. What is this drink? I felt like we had to have one in this show that was blue. Yeah. And it was, I believe it's one of the two most famous blue cocktails. It's uh, Curacao vodka, uh, blue Curacao and vodka, I believe in equal parts, and then maybe four parts lemonade. Oh, God. This sounds like we're maybe going too far here. Yeah, this is, uh, there's there's the whole, a whole host of these, you know, like, 80s 90s drinks that i i just like have no interest in they're funny <laughs> and someone else like i'm not saying they're not worthy of study either it's just yeah. i'm not going to be the one to do it somebody else is going to have a great time fixing all these you know it's so green interesting monster and you know all these we nightmare th- drinks we thought that was going to be the trend coming out of the pan- i i feel like within the conversations that people were having in, in drinks media and the drinks space was like, we're coming out of the pandemic. We're either going to go down the really fun and bright route that kind of spoke to TikTok yeah. and this new generation of drinkers entering the market. Mm-hmm. And then maybe we're going down the classics and people going back to like simple classics, well-known drinks done really well. Yeah. I feel like most bars I go to these days are focusing more on the on the latter than the former there. So maybe that yeah. trend has borne out. Not that people need to follow trends, but you know what I'm saying. No, I'm my my dream is that people sort of come out of this sort of the the pandemic was really hard for cocktail bars because there was a there's not a ton of staff. You know, people couldn't. There just wasn't the the margins weren't there to have a lot of people on staff, and there was not a huge there there just was like a a lack of creativity i think not because of a lack of creativity in individual bartenders but because you needed to sell things that people are going to buy yes and you had to sell them in a a great quantity and often to go and you know it's an easy sell to say like hey you want a piña colada or a margarita to go everybody wants that so yep. that's what bars were doing to keep the lights on but now that we're sort of in this new period, I'm hoping that like hardcore avant-garde creativity comes back. And I think it's starting to, you're starting to see it at some programs. Like I think the program that Joey Smith put together at Shea Zoo is awesome. Those drinks are terrific. The golden colada, you know, it's an elevated pina colada, but in a really creative way, it's super yeah. delicious. And like, I think there's some awesome drinks happening at, Overstory, yes. You know, Harrison's program is spectacular. Wonderful, All those yeah. are amazing. Uh, so it's it's happening, but I hope that that trend becomes a you know it's the trend that I want to be a trend, not yeah. really a real trend yet, but hopefully soon. You know what's you know what else isn't a real trend? What's that? The dirty Shirley. Well, it is now. And I was going to come full circle there. That would have worked so well in full circle. But yeah. I do have one last drink just to Great. ask, yay or nay? Mm-hmm. And do you have any tips? Because it relates to the last episode of our show. And it relates so similarly to it. This, the, the last one out, which we did, was the White Lady. Yes. And this drink is so similar that I'm like, I don't know whether there ever becomes a time where we do the lemon drop. Oh, man. Maybe yes, maybe no. So that's I, why I'm putting it out there yeah, here. I think it's, you know, it's a... It's already a good drink. It's, it's just good. a lemon sour with some... It, it has curacao in it. 
yes. I believe. Yes, traditionally it does. Uh, I think that most people want it with a sugar rim. I don't, but, you know, I ask if someone orders it from me, I'll, you know, mm-hmm. put a sugar rim if someone really wants that. Um, it's, I would say that it's not something that needs to be left in the past. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's, you know, overwhelmingly like blah. It's yeah. just kind of boring. So maybe not in this conversation where it's like we're going to elevate it, but we're just like it's there. Yeah, it's, it exists. It's, it's where it, it's where it has always meant to be. And you it's know? it's what well, it's a daisy. So like yeah. before you're reaching for the vodka for that one, you have the choice of doing cognac, tequila, or gin. Yeah, those are three better drinks in that. Ways to make this drink delicious. <laughs> oh, I will say. Uh, oh wait, no, we'll we'll get to it. Okay, I'm, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. We had the perfect opportunity to come full circle, and then I just added that last one in there that probably oh, wasn't no, even fine. worth it, but that was good. Yeah. We're going to head into the next part of the show here, and you're going to be the second person who's had this second set of questions. Excellent. Looking forward to giving these ones more of a run out, so yeah. looking forward to hearing some more answers from you. All right, let's go. Question number one. Which spirits category... <laughs> Let me start that again. Yeah. Which spirits category are you currently most excited about from a personal or per- professional experience? I need to get used to these questions. The oh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a new it's round. Of like, oh, it's Aquavit. No, <laughs> it's, you know, it's actually not. It's uh, not? The thing that I want to drink the most always, the, the category of spirits that is always the most compelling to me is unaged brandies. So yes. my f- one of my all-time favorite cocktail ingredients that I think is wildly underutilized is uh, Blanche Armagnac. Unaged Armagnac is such a cool cocktail ingredient. Like, Pisco is awesome, but it tends to lean very floral and fragrant, whereas Blanche Armagnac is just grape. It just pounds you with <laughs> grape flavor. But, you know, in this unaged distillate type of way that is that's just like such a cool cocktail ingredient it's great in shaken sours it's great stirred mm-hmm. there's like a million things you can do with blanche armagnac and then uh like eau de vies, you know like the cyril zang's double zero mm-hmm. uh apple eau de vie is incredible when i feel like you know, just like opening my wallet and dumping it onto the floor. I'll get, you know, a quarter ounce of Rochelle Eau de Vie somewhere. Like the Green Gauge Plum. Or yes. The Quince, just, oh, it's so insanely delicious. They're amazing. Like those are, those are the things that like get my heart beating mm-hmm. right now. I've had a couple of vodkas recently that I like to describe to people as potato Eau de Vie. Smart. And, you know. What, which, which vodkas? Carlson's Vestal. Huh. You familiar with this one? I'm not. This is single vintage. 2015, I think, is the most recent bottling. Wow. Um, special type of potatoes, all estate grown. Cool. I forget the name of them. Mariana? No, maybe the, maybe I'm making that up. But sweet potatoes distilled once in a in a hybrid still, bottled unfiltered. I would love to try that. Sounds great. We will try this very shortly. But Excellent. Honestly, this blown my mind. I, I, and I'm thinking from the brand's perspective, 
they probably will sell more by maintaining the name vodka on the label than saying yeah. potato over to V. But I think if I want to sell that to folks in the industry, because vodka can be a tough yeah. sell, I get it. I personally think it's very exciting. That's the one. Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, have you tried the the Reisbauer carrot eau de vie? So good. Oh, it's insane. It's, it's amazing. It's out of control. Yeah. So I, I think that, yeah, tell the bartenders it's potato eau de vie and yep. tell the consumers that it's vodka. And then we all win. Absolutely. Amazing. Question number two here. What was the last, ideally, alcoholic drink you had that wowed you? Okay. So we were on the topic of... Uh, of daisies, and you know we got into the white the the white lady, and then into the lemon drop, uh, and you know the sidecar came up because you talked about a cognac daisy, and I have a a new daisy spec, okay, like all purpose, you know, a daisy spec that I am actually thrilled with, especially for the sidecar, and you like this is kind of like messed up, so I have a. I have a Zoom show, like a cocktail show with Dave Arnold that we do. It's called Balancing Act. There's a, a different subject every time. And, you know, we get into a lot of really deep, nerdy techniques for the, like, you know, 20 people around the country who want to pay us to, you know, yell at each other and at them <laughs> for an hour, you know, once a month. But recently we did an episode, uh, the title of which was Let's Talk About Specs Baby, which is, you know, again, really? back to puns. Yeah. Uh, but we had Joaquin Simo on because he's someone who we really respect. And he joined us for the sidecar here as well. And he joined us and we talked about sidecars as just like a jumping off point. I'm, I'm sure that this was just something that was floating around in his brain if he'd just spoken to you about it. So he's like, yeah, let's talk about sidecars. Yeah. Like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> because Dave and I are of the same mind in general that the sidecar actually isn't a good drink. And it's because... Uh, Shaken drinks with aged spirits generally aren't good. And this is a, you know, very much a hot take territory. But <laughs> I just, like, don't think that they're especially compelling because I don't like the way that oak and acid play together. And we talked about it. Joaquin made us his, you know, like, pinnacle sidecar recipe. We both thought it was too dry and, you know, too woody. And in the process of talking about the drink... Uh, we had some orange syrup on hand. So that's just fresh orange juice that we take to 50 bricks. You know, orange juice is like 12, uh, 12 bricks. I could do the math, but, you know, mm -hmm. maybe we can attach an orange syrup recipe to this <laughs> okay. episode. But, uh, you know, you're going to get close enough if you do 500 grams of orange juice and 400 grams of sugar. That's going to be a close enough approximation to 50 bricks. Perfect. You know, I don't know exactly what bricks your oranges are, but that's going to be close enough. Uh, it's going to make a great syrup. And we just did two ounces of, uh, you know, Pierre Ferrand 1840 cognac, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice and three quarters of an ounce of orange syrup. And it solved all of the problems that I had with the drink, which is it's usually too boozy. Yep. You know, because people forget that, you know, Cointreau, Pierre Ferrand, Dry Curacao, like the higher quality, you know, not triple sec orange liqueurs are usually 80 proof. Yeah. So like you're adding a lot of booze when you use that as your, you know, flavoring and sometimes sweetening agent. And they're not all that sweet either. No. So you're adding a lot of alcohol and not a lot of sugar. So 
the drinks tend to be just like so bone dry mm-hmm. and kind of thin because they don't have that richness from sugar. But if you completely omit an orange liqueur and swap in an orange syrup, it gets so rich, so fat, so much body. Nice. And that's, that is now my sidecar spec. So you're I, taking it from a daisy to a sour. Yeah, it's, it's a set, but it's, you know, it's an orange flavored sour. So it, like, yeah. where do we draw the line? Like what is, yeah. how do we, it does it, does it, does it have to be uh, a liqueur to be considered? And, you know, probably yes, but you know, I think we're, you know, it, we're, we're kind of this erasing semantics. the lines. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's blurry at this point. At this point. Yeah. That's interesting. And I think that's a that's a great one to try at home. Yeah, it was it's the first time in a while that I've been like, oh, I have a new spec for a classic. <laughs> like, you know, I've been making drinks long enough that I don't really edit myself anymore. Like, I, I'm, tend, I'm starting to trend towards, like, toning down things. Like, I used to be a big, like, daiquiri spec for me when I was first starting out was, like, two rum, one lime, half. 50 brick simple, yeah. which is like big, bold, juicy, you know, so much acid. You're like, I hate my teeth. You know, yeah. I want to like ruin myself with this drink. And now I'm more of like a three quarter half, you know, like to- just, yeah, just yeah, yeah. toning Bring it things back. down. Yeah. <laughs> that you makes know. sense. Well, that's a, that, that's one I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying imminently. Yeah. Moving on to question three here now. What's one book you would recommend that every alcohol and cocktail enthusiast should own a copy of? Yeah, well, you got to get the Bible, Liquid Intelligence. You know, yeah. that's, that is the one that has been like the basis of my entire career. And you, it, it's great. And I think that a lot of people, you know, look to cocktail books either for recipes or for stories. And this is kind of neither. It's a, it's like a reference. Yeah. And on the same page, if you uh, want another sort of all-encompassing book, uh, Harold McGee's On Food and Cooking isn't just incredible for information about you know food ingredients. It's so much information about fruits and vegetables and like things that can be used in cocktails. So I would say Liquid Intelligence and On Food and Cooking are the like two most important books about food and drink that I can think of. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Question number four, penultimate question today. If you could appear in one movie scene where alcohol plays a major role, which one would it be and who would you like to play? Oh, I I want to be Tom Cruise in the entirety of Cocktail. <laughs> I love flair. Flair is, you know, I'm all about functional flair. You know, if it if it makes the drink come out slower, it is, you know removed from consideration for me for like being cool yeah if it but if you can do something fast and clean and also flip the bottle like oh absolutely sign me (laughs) up for all of that so like i I love the movie cocktail and i think that people think of it as sort of like jokey and sure it is but also like imagine if you could be a bartender and also sort of have that like stage presence style like, that's why I love bartending so much. You know, I did improv in high school. You know, I, that's, like, the thing that I love is that, like, creative, think on your feet, also do something with your hands, have conversations with people, you know, be, you know, quick, quick-witted and a lot of brevity. And yeah. Like, those are the things that I love. So to, like, put on a show and be bartending 
is the dream. And Tom Cruise was living it there. Yeah. yeah very strange man, but God, what a film. It, strange man. He, he's done some good ones as well. He's yeah. Also, yeah. Absolutely. He's very much in the zeitgeist right now. So He, he is. I have not seen the new Top Gun, but I hear Nor it's have I. very, very good. Yeah. I, In anticipation of potentially seeing uh, Maverick, I watched the old Top Gun. I gotta say, I don't think it holds up. No, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it does. Weird fact about Tom Cruise, they were considering him for the part of Henry Hill, I believe, in Goodfellas. I learned that the other really? day, and I'm like, that does not work as a movie. No, not at all. <laughs> that would be terrible. Wild. Um, final question. Yes. Which modern classic cocktail do you think is deserving of more recognition than ah. it gets. See, I and when I read this question in advance of the interview, I read classic cocktail, not modern classic. So now I have two answers for you. Okay. So uh, classic drink because it also ties back to uh, the you know like old fashioned style you know spirit with modifier that is relatively sweet. Uh, the Stinger is one of my all-time favorite drinks. So just cognac, you know, you can use Armagnac too, but and creme de menthe is insanely delicious. And you can do it with Bronco Menta for a sort of, you know, a different, more bitter vibe. But And the other fun thing about Stingers is it's the only uh, drink that doesn't have an opaque ingredient in it that I'm like, yeah, you can shake this one. Like it, it, it it's basically unkillable. <laughs> because I've had it, you know, stirred and it's this perfect, beautiful, you know, like super rich mouthfeel thing. I've had it on crushed ice. I've had it shaken. I've had it on a cube and I love all of them equally. And, nice. you know, I, I need to do the, the stinger side by side by side by side, you know, do all of the versions of the stinger and actually figure out what my ultimate version is. But I love the you know, the worst, you know, quote unquote version of it where it's still kind of warm and like on bad ice is it's still good. You know, yeah. it's still a breath mint, you know, the, and the, the wisdom is the only drink you can have after a stinger is another stinger. <laughs> and the, the other good thing about it is you, you don't have to brush your teeth that night. Cause you know, you've it's had just, your, yeah, your mouth is fine. You're good. Amazing. Uh, so we and, have that yeah. for the classic and then modern classic. Uh, we talked about, Attaboy earlier, you know, and everybody's like, oh, the penicillin is the greatest drink of all time. Sam Ross is genius. Uh, you know, it's like, sure, the penicillin's fine. It's a good drink. Mm -hmm. But my favorite drink from that bar is uh, actually uh, a Mickey drink. It's a it's a Michael McElroy drink. Uh, the Rome with a View is so good and low ABV. It's an ounce of Campari, an ounce of dry vermouth, an ounce of lime juice and a half ounce of simple syrup shaken in a, in a highball topped with soda. And it's insanely delicious. That's my, you know, it's, it's either early in the night and I need something light and refreshing to pick me up or it's very late in the evening and I want another drink cause I don't want to go home yet, but I can't have a martini. Yeah. You know, I, I am toasty. So I need something <laughs> light. Something like Rome with a view. Yeah. That's oh, a good so one. Good. It's absolutely delicious. Love it. Yeah. Well, Jack, thank you so much for joining us again. Tim, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. This has been a, a roller coaster of information, emotions when it comes to yeah. hatred, love for certain drinks. Uh, but yeah, definitely just overall information. 
Yeah, I, I, I can talk about this all day. I'd be happy to come <laughs> back anytime. Thanks so much for joining us again. Let's go have some potato de vie. Yes, let's do that. <laughs> okay, that was a lot of info, but here's the good news. Every single episode of VinePair's Cocktail College is also published on vinepair.com as a transcript, so you can check it out there all over again. Also, if you enjoy listening to the show anywhere near as much as we enjoy making it, go ahead and hit subscribe, and please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher, and please tell your friends. Now for the credits. Cocktail College is recorded and produced in New York City by myself and Keith Beavers, VinePair's tastings director and all-round podcast guru. Of course, I want to give a huge shout out to everyone on the VinePair team. Too many awesome people to mention. They know who they are. But I want to give some credit here to Danielle Greenberg, art director at VinePair, for designing the awesome show logo. And listen to that music. That's a Darby Seaside original. Finally, thank you, listener, for making it this far and for giving this whole thing a purpose. Until next time.